Alrighty, guys, let's get to the message this morning. I'm excited about this message. How many know it's always good when the pastor is excited about the message? Donald Thomas and I were talking this week, and Brother Donald has, uh, has led many men's small groups and different things like that. And, and um, he was telling me sometimes when, he, he, when he's doing a talk to some men, now the problem is he does it at a place right after they eat. Okay, let me tell you, it's really tough to talk to people right after they've eaten, you know, okay, man, when your belly's full, Seth, it's like, oh, there's just a spirit that comes over you, okay, and, and uh, so Donald, that was part of the problem, but he said, you look at people, and sometimes they're just not paying attention, okay, now that's none of you, okay, Donald, you ought to try it from this point of view, these are some good people to talk to, okay, every one of you, smile, it just makes me feel better, okay, and it'll make you feel better too, but you know what, every now and then you, you, you feel like folks aren't getting it, well, it's always good when the speaker is exciting. Me and, uh, me and Donna were saying there've been times I bored myself. Okay. And I know if I'm bored, you've got to really be bored, but I promise you, I'm not bored today. I'm excited about this word today. Now I might have something to do with, I haven't preached in two weeks. Now, some of you are getting really, really nervous. Okay. Cause you're like, if he hasn't preached in two weeks, is he going to try to give us two weeks worth of sermons? No, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Cause I haven't seen my wife in four days and I'm going to meet her for lunch. Okay. So this might be a 10 minute sermon. How many believe that to be true? No. Okay. I have a a saying, you know, it ain't lying when everybody knows I'm joking. Okay. But let's get to our message today. I'm excited about it. And uh, um, one of the reasons I'm excited about it is because it came to me while on vacation. Okay. We had a little getaway a couple weeks ago. And so on this recent vacation, I read a couple books that really encouraged my soul. and, And one of them is this one right here. Tommy Barnett, Reaching Your Dreams. Tommy Barnett, pastor's... um, at one time, the largest Assembly of God church in the United States, and certainly still one of the largest. And Pastor Tommy does an amazing work in, in, um, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, has started a campus also in Los Angeles, just does some amazing things, an amazing man of faith. And this book, along with another book that I read, really encouraged my, my soul, and, and it reminded me of the importance of cultivating the dreams and the purposes that God has placed in every one of our hearts. Now, some of you are thinking... I don't know if God did that for me. Well, you know what? Let me help you with something. I shared this yesterday at CR Small Group. Jeremiah 29 11 says that God knows the plans and he purposes that he has for us. They're good plans, plans to prosper us and to give us a hope in the future, not to harm us. So God promises, Joe, that he's given you plans and purposes, that he has plans and purposes just for you, Hunter. He has plans and purposes just for you, Cade. He has plans and purposes for each and every one of us, okay? Now, there are some things that are universal, okay? He wants us all to love our neighbor. He wants us all to do right. He wants us all to to, to worship him and do things in a right manner. But then there's specific things that only you can do, okay? For right now, only I can pastor this church, okay? God specifically called me and brought me here, and this is something only I can do right now, okay? There are some things that only Fabian can do. There are some things that only Danielle can do. One of them is put up with Ronnie, okay? There are some things that only you can do, okay? Some, some of you in the family went, hey, man, man, that dude can be something else. I love him. We got a great youth pastor, okay? Hey, there are some things. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Keon, for telling a squirrel to be quiet, okay? <clears throat> hey, there are some things that only you can do. Thank you, Keon. That was perfect. That was something only you could do. Tell him to be quiet, and it worked, okay? There are some things that God has put in each and every one of our hearts. And guys, today, I want to encourage you that that dream is still alive. 
I want to encourage you that that promise that God has given you, Sister Fisher, think about all the promises God has given you down through the years. God's been good to you, haven't he? You know, this lady just celebrated her 90th birthday. Can we give her a great big old hand? Amen. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Now, I don't often tell a lady's age, but everybody knew what your birthday was, okay? By the way, family, you did a great job of surprising her, okay? I know some of y'all are like, can we really surprise her? She was totally surprised. At least that's what she said, okay? And I believe what she said, okay? So 90 years old, think about all the promises that she's seen God do. Think about all the good things she's seen God do, amen? But here's the amazing thing, and this should encourage some of you in here today. Joe, God doesn't love that sweet little lady any more or any less than he loves you. The same God that's given her promises has given you promises. The same God that has placed purposes in her heart has placed purposes in your heart. And it's up to you and I to recognize that, to realize it, and then to create an environment in which that will grow. Amen? We need to create an environment where the plans and the purposes of God will grow in our lives. And the only way that can happen is in an environment of faith. See, faith is the only environment where the things of God truly flourish. good friend of mine who pastors in Leesville, Jack Osteen, wrote this quote, and you've heard me say this several times now. It's our unbelief that blocks many of our blessings. It's our unbelief that blocks many of our blessings. So today, I hope with the Holy Spirit's help to strengthen and encourage you in your faith because it will be necessary. Faith will be necessary for you as an individual and for us as a church here at LCC Berwick to accomplish anything significant for the Lord. Amen? Let's pray together and get to it. Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that faith would be activated. I pray today that your Holy Spirit would speak specifically to men and women in this place today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. And I ask right now, Lord God, that you would shower us with all those things. I pray, Lord God, that a cult, uh, that a... Um, uh, uh, an atmosphere of faith would be activated in this place so that we can continue to see you do great and mighty things. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, amen. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Mark chapter number 9. Mark chapter number 9. This story was actually something that that Pastor Tommy brought out. He actually brought out just one little verse of it, and I'm going to focus on that, but I want to read the whole story to just give you a little bit of background. I'm in Mark chapter 9 today, and the story begins in verse number 14. I'm going to read out a King James Version, and it's a really pretty simple story, but it has some some profound effect. Mark chapter number 9, verse number 14. It says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question you have for them? Jesus walked up on the scene. The religious leaders of the day were kind of interrogating his disciples. And like every good leader he took up for his disciples, he said, what's going on here, guys? Verse 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that, that, that they should cast him out, and they could not. See, this was a sick boy, okay? 
um, probably demon-possessed, really had some real issues, okay? And this dad brought his son to the disciples and said, hey, can you heal him? You know, back in those days, the physicians were... Well, maybe not much better than today. (laughs) Okay, I would say today's medicine is so much greater, but then every now and then we're reminded it's a practice of medicine, huh? But you know what? He brought it to the disciples. He was like, hey, can you fix my boy? Can you heal my boy? Can you cast this spirit out? And, And they failed miserably. Anybody in here ever failed miserably? Verse number 19. He answered, talking about Jesus, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Okay? I think he was just kind of shaking his head and, come on, boys. (laughs) You know, because he'd been pouring into these disciples. He wanted them to do well. And he's like, bring the boy to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. He fell on the ground and was wallowing around, foaming at the mouth. Wow, that's a pretty, pretty interesting scene, huh? Verse 21. And he asked his father, how long ago has this come unto him? And he said, of a child. This boy had been sick like this since being a child. The dad goes on to say, and oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on him and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Guys, that's something that we need to live our lives by. All things are possible to you and I if we'll only believe. Look at verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's really the focus of today's message, dealing with unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Let's read the rest of the story because it's pretty good. Verse 25, Jesus saw that the people were running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto it, Thou deaf and dumb spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch as they said, The boy is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him. This is kind of after the fact. The boy is healed. The disciples were like, Jesus, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind comes out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You know, this is not in my notes today, but it's just a simple reminder. If you and I are going to be disciples for the Lord, if we're going to become disciplined followers of the Lord, there's a message that Jesus gave to his disciples that is for us as well. Spiritual disciplines like prayer, like fasting, like Bible study, like fellowship, going to church, that still works today. The same recipe that worked 2,000 years ago works today. If we want to do great things for God, if we want to live a victorious Christian life, we've got to pray. Not just when we're in trouble, not just when there's a pop test at school, teenagers. We need to pray each and every day. We need to have a regular prayer time. Could you imagine having a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, with your husband or your wife, and never talking to them? That wouldn't work so well, huh? There's girlfriends punching their boyfriend right now. You didn't call me last night, okay? But here's the deal. You wouldn't imagine not talking to someone that you love or you care for. Why, Fabian? Because it builds a relationship, right? Okay? Think about it. How many times that we don't speak to the Lord as much as we should? Guys, look. All the answers to life's questions are found in this book called the Bible. Amen? Sister Fisher, you believe this book, don't you? You've been living by this book a long, long time. This word has never let you down, right? If it's never let her down in 90 years, it won't let you down either, Joe. 
We got to live by the book. We got to be people of the book, okay? So again, spiritual disciplines are so very important. That ain't my message, but somebody needed to hear that. So let's focus in again on verse number 24, where it says, Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Can you imagine the emotion of this dad? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I think this statement right here describes so many of the people who fill churches across America this Sunday morning. They believe God. They believe that God can save them. I think a little earlier in the service, there are many folks that lifted their hand believing that God loves them, that God can save them. And I believe he did. According to this word, I believe he did. Okay? And that's a good thing. There's people all over church that can believe God maybe even for for healing. You know, if we're not feeling well, maybe God can heal us. We can believe God for that. Some can even believe God for maybe even a little more, like a loved one's salvation or another person's healing or maybe a financial breakthrough. But sooner or later, we all struggle in some area of unbelief. Isn't that true? If you live long enough, sooner or later, you're going to struggle in some area of unbelief. So what's so bad about a little unbelief? What's so bad about that? Well, here's what's so bad about it. Unbelief to the Christian is like a cancer to the soul. It's a cancer that must be dealt with. Just like cancer in the human body, if not dealt with, it's a monster that grows and ultimately destroys. Unbelief is the same thing. Unbelief must be dealt with. We need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to do a thorough search, a thorough inventory of our hearts and minds today a spiritual pet scan, if you will, a spiritual cat scan, to find out and deal with any unbelief that he may find in our hearts so that we will receive all the blessings God has for us and our family. How many in here want to be blessed? IQ question, just making sure you're still awake, okay? See, Don, you do that every now and then. It keeps them awake, okay? Hey, touchdown, Don. I love you, babe. Okay? Hey, we want to be blessed. We want to live the blessed life. We want to live a successful Christian life. Unbelief has to be dealt with. We have to be men and women of faith. Amen? So let's take a closer look at the father of this very sick and troubled boy in this story. You know, as a dad, my heart goes out to him. So many times we take our, 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 our children's uh, health for granted, don't we? You know, I have two young men. They're both super healthy. Um, you know, uh, Hunter, Hayden, senior, junior to be amazingly healthy and, and, and just amazing. I'm proud of those kids. I could go on and on about them, but I'm not. But guys, we take that for granted. We take our children's health for granted. Often we take our own health for granted, don't we? We take our own health for granted until something comes up and we can't do what we used to do or or something, uh, some diagnosis comes our way. We so often take our health for granted. Can you imagine, though, the, the anguish that this dad had been through? Seth, you're a dad. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I, I can put my, as a dad, I know I'd rather go through something than watch my boys go through it, watch my kids go through it. Can you imagine what this dad had been through? But first of all, let's bring out the positive. At least on a positive note, he believed enough to seek out Jesus and his disciples. He at least knew the right place to be, the right person to seek for his son's ultimate healing and breakthrough. You know, we talked about this yesterday in CR. Sadly, some people are still looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. They're thinking that they can find their answer in a bottle. How many know that ain't true? 
They think they can still find their answer in a pill. They can find their answer in a syringe. They can find their answer in in illicit relationships. It doesn't work like that. You know, guys, we all have a God-sized hole in our hearts. And until it's filled by the love of God, we'll find ourselves empty. Teenagers, let me help you with something. When I was your age, I wasn't sitting in church on a Sunday morning, okay? I, I wasn't serving God when I was a teenager. You, right now, are in the right place with the right people. You found the right answer. Don't go into this world looking for something that will leave you wanting. I think every adult in here, every parent in here would say amen, right? Look, they're in the right place. They're doing the right thing. They, have, they found the right answer. How many have ever noticed um, sometimes in life, there are some folks that they go through all the, the wrong answers till they finally find the right one, huh? Yesterday in CR, we listened to an amazing testimony, and that dude was looking for all kind of answers in all the wrong places, but then he found Jesus. Hey, teenagers, you found the right answer. You chose wisely. This is the right answer. Stick with that answer, okay? Don't change your mind. Hey, guys, we need to realize that that God is for us, that Jesus is the answer. This guy had, had just enough faith to go to Jesus, to go to his disciples. You see, your presence here this morning tells me and shows God that like this father, you believe enough to be in the right place. But like this father, we must seek the right person. Jesus. You see, this is the real reason we should be at church today, to seek Jesus. But in today's society, in today's consumer society, people attend church for so many other reasons than this one. I like the music. I like the preacher. I like the children's ministry. I like the youth ministry. I like the people. Now look, guys, these are all good reasons to go to a church. These are all nice secondary reasons, but they're not the primary reason. The primary reason you and I need to have a real encounter with the presence and power of Jesus. Why? Because when we do, miracles happen. You see, guys, when we get in the presence of Jesus, things change. A few moments ago when we were singing that song about God's reckless love, the presence of Jesus was in this place. It's why I responded by giving an altar call, and it's why you responded. You responded to the Spirit of God. That is what makes church different. That is what changes people's lives. Amen? Remember the promise that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter number 7. You can turn with me there if you like. Matthew chapter number 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? You see, guys, we serve a good God. We serve a great God, amen? We serve a great father who wants to bless his children. You know what? There's not a father in here that doesn't want to bless their kids. Joe, we were talking about that yesterday. You want to bless your young man. You, and that's awesome. Fabian, you want to pour into Caden. You want, by the way, he's doing much better right now. You'd be glad to know. Okay? Yeah, we, we all want to bless our kids, okay? We all want to be that. Chad, you want to be an amazing dad, and you are to London, okay? You want to do those things. That's a, that's a father's heart. A father wants to bless his kids. Guys, Jesus said it. If you and I being evil... Okay? 
want to bless our kids that much? How much more does our Heavenly Father want to bless you? How much more does God want to bless you, Mario? How much more does God want to bless you, his children? But here's the key. The key to this promise activating in your life is faith. It's faith. You have to ask in faith. You have to believe in faith. Back to the dad. Can you imagine what he'd been through? Miss Julie, could you imagine what this dad had been through? We parents often take our kids' health for granted. I know I have so many times, and you probably have as well. You know, I mentioned baby Elijah. I'm sure the Kelly family understands what this dad went through. They understand what they've been through these last six weeks with with all the tests and all the turmoil, all the ups and downs with baby Elijah. I'm really glad to report that he's doing much better right now. But, but, But so many times, can you imagine the anguish of this dad? Well, just look at his words with me, if you will. Back to Mark, Mark, six, uh, Mark 9. Let's look at verse uh, 16. And when asked the question, uh, what Jesus said, what question do you have for him? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought my son who has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever it teareth him and tears him and he foams at the mouth and gnashes at his teeth and pineth away. I spoke to you disciples that they should cast him out and they couldn't. And he goes on to say... Um, they brought the, 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 brought the child to Jesus, and, and he saw him, and straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, wallowing around, and, and, and when asked how long it's been happening since he was a child, the dad goes on to say, and oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. You know what he was just saying? Jesus, nobody else could do anything. Maybe you can. You know, guys... There's nothing Jesus can't do. There's nothing he can't do for you. There's nothing you you can't uh, get accomplished if you ask in faith to the Lord. You see, all things are possible to him that believes. Jesus said it himself. Verse 23, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Do you believe that? I believe that. You know why I believe that? Because Jesus said that. Okay? Now, does that mean everything I believe for has happened? No. But you know what I've learned? I've learned that when your experiences confirm the Word of God, it's okay to stand on your experiences. But if your experiences seemingly contradict the Word of God, stand on the Word. Amen? Because life is difficult sometimes. Sometimes we, we're believing for things that maybe aren't the exact perfect will of God, okay? We don't know everything God knows. We don't see everything God sees. And because of our limitations, we're believing things that, that if God gave us, wouldn't be best for us. But we've got to believe that God, our Heavenly Father, knows what's best for us. Donnie knows what's best for you. Okay, And when you believe him, he will do what's best for you. Amen? Because all things are possible. I believe this because Jesus said it. And the enemy of our souls believes it as well, which is why he oftentimes tries to chip away at our belief with disappointment, discouragement, and defeat. And that's really what I want to talk about the next couple moments. Imagine with me the disappointments of this dad. How many times do you think he brought his boy to doctors? How many times maybe he brought him to the priests of the day, all to be disappointed because he didn't get better? How many times do you think maybe he prayed or, or, or he, uh, he, he gave offerings or did whatever he needed to try to do in the religious system of the day, asking God to heal his boy, all to no avail? 
Even in this story, he brought his son to the disciples and they failed as well. You see, in the book that I just finished reading during my, during my vacation, uh, Tommy Barnett talks about some things that can hold you back from your dreams, some things that can hold you back from your growth with the Lord, and one of them is disappointments. Let me read to you what he says about that. When it comes to disappointment, he writes, Sometimes you dream, and that dream is shattered. The experience creates a deep wound in your heart that gets filled with disappointment. Like a bitter well, you approach each new opportunity with melancholy and doubt stored up inside of you. The waters from that well blur your vision and obscure your dream, and the disappointment grows more potent the longer you hang on to it. It stops being a well and becomes a river separating you from your dream or your breakthrough. Moses endured one of the greatest disappointments in the Bible. He spent 40 years leading the children of Israel through the desert, doing everything so well, obeying God when the others wouldn't. He didn't grumble as they did and doubt God, but because he disobeyed God on one occasion when his anger got the better of him, the Lord would not allow him to go into the promised land. The Lord even took him to a mountaintop where Moses saw the magnificent reality of the promised land, but he couldn't go in. He had the thrill of drinking it in with his own eyes, but he had to live with the stunning reality that he would never touch it. You see, nothing hurts quite like disappointment. The word itself implies that we believed we had an appointment, but when we got there, things didn't happen the way we wanted to. So we were disappointed. Our momentary assessment of a situation is always affected by human limitations. We cannot always see what God sees, and much more may be happening than we are aware of. In fact, let me, let me bring that out for a second. God is always doing more than you think he is. God is always doing more than you can see him doing. Amen? If you believe God is doing so much, he's always doing exceedingly, abundantly more. Amen? So, so overcome those disappointments. The Bible says today that we see through a veil. Our knowledge is imperfect. At some point, you have to give your disappointment to God and trust his judgment, which is perfect. What seems like a disappointment may have been the best thing to ever happen in your life. That relationship that ended, that business opportunity you passed by, that investment you didn't make, God may have been sparing you. You know, guys, literally two years ago to the day, two years ago to the day, I had the second church tell me they didn't want me to be with their pastor. Okay? You know, about two and a half years ago, I was working in our district office and doing a bunch of different things, and then transition came, and, and, uh, and I wanted to go back to pastoring, okay? I thought there was a church just right down the road that I was going to become the pastor of, and I came out second, okay? And then, uh, then there was another church that I thought I was going to be the pastor of. You were just there yesterday, and I came out second, okay? And I remember when they called me, Sister Gail, I wasn't too happy. Okay, because I really wanted to go. I really thought that was best. I was disappointed. But you know what? Just a couple weeks later, I heard from you guys. And you guys needed someone to come and love on you a little bit. You needed a pastor. And, um, and God put us together. 
And it's been two years now. How amazing is that? God's been so good. But do you see that if I had dwelled in my disappointment, if I had dwelled in nobody wants me, nobody li- if I had dwelled in that, I could have missed the greatest opportunity that God has given. How many times do you miss that great opportunity because you're still pouting? How many times do you miss what God has for you because you're still looking back? You see, guys, if you keep looking backwards into your past and your regrets, you'll miss what's right in front of you. You'll miss the opportunities that your loving Heavenly Father is laying out for you. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Pastor, you don't know the hurt that I've had. Hey, you think, you, you, you think that dad was hurting? But that dad finally got to the right place. He finally got to Jesus. Friends, that's the best place to put your disappointments. That's the best place to put your hurts. You put them at the foot of the cross. Amen? So guys, I want to challenge you today. Give your disappointments to God. Trust that He knows best. You see, even if you believe you have a good reason to be disappointed, you should have a better reason for letting disappointment go. That reason is your dreams, your future. There will be better dis- there will be bitter disappointments in life. People will drop the ball, lead you astray, abandon you, and worse. By the way, that was in this book before yesterday, seven on seven, boys. Okay? You will de- be disappointed with God. But if you want to reach your dreams, you must overcome those disappointments and give them to God. Friend, listen to your pastor. Give your disappointments to God and begin to believe again. Amen? Give those disappointments to God. Give them to God and begin to believe Him again. Amen? Now, imagine the discouragement of this dad. He was not only disappointed, but he was discouraged. And see, that's what happens. Discouragement means to lack courage. Remember, the prefix dis means not or the opposite of, okay? Disappointment, you missed your appointment. Discourage, you lack courage. If disappointments continue to mount up and you don't give them to God, you will become discouraged. Discouraged means to lack courage or to lose faith. And this is exactly where we will find ourselves if we don't release our disappointments in life to God. If you keep holding on to some things that God wants you to let go of, you're going to become discouraged. Verse number 24 is the statement of a discouraged man. Straightway, the father of the child cried out, said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Can you imagine the, the, the heart of this dad? He was so disappointed time and time again. He had become discouraged. It's a discouraging statement, but he finally stated his real need to the one who could change everything. If you find yourself discouraged today, take courage that the same Jesus who helped this boy and this dad is the same Jesus who's here today to help you. Amen? In the same book, Reaching Your Dreams, Pastor Barnett talks about the, encourage, uh, the, the, the need to have courage. You see, courage just isn't for comic book heroes and movie stars. It's for anyone who will go after his or her dream. Life is going to be full of battles no matter what. But when you dream, the battles are taking you somewhere. Tommy writes, I'm not a fighter by nature. I don't like to fight. Maybe you don't either. I'd rather be a peacemaker and follow my dreams outside the fray. But life is short. And the enemy strives against our dreams. The enemy does not want you to have breakthrough. The enemy does not want you to deal with that unbelief. 
I've come to realize that battle is the normal way of life. I've even grown to enjoy the rigors of battle because I know that once I'm in it, God will fight with me. The Bible spurs me on when it talks about courageous people who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lion, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. That's all found in Hebrews 11. I love those action words, conquered, obtained, escaped. Those are words of courage and reward. Promises must be obtained. Kingdoms must be conquered. Lions' mouths must be shut. And the best part, I believe, is that these people became powerful in battle, not before it. This is good. Somebody needs to hear this. Courage gets you to the battle. God's power gets you through the battle. Let me say that again. Courage gets you to the battle. Joe, courage gets you to the battle. It gets you to that place where you have to make a decision. But when you make the right decision, God will get you through the battle. How many need God to get them through a battle? Miss Lorraine, you need God to get you through a battle or two? Sister Gail, isn't God getting you through a battle? Courage gets us to the battle. God gets us through the battle. I've noticed that God never supplies power until I need it. He always provides power along the way after I've decided to go the direction of my dream. You have to take steps towards your dream before you will receive power to fulfill it. God promises that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That should give you courage. The example of Jesus should give you courage. He agonized in the garden the night before he was crucified. He knew the next 36 hours what they held for him. He would suffer like no man had ever suffered. The human side of him screamed out in protest, I can't do it. Let this cup pass from me. But after a time of prayer, he got up and said, rise, let's be going. And he walked in the direction of his betrayer. That took courage. The dream of saving humanity shone brighter than the battle it would take to achieve it. And on the way to the cross, God provided the power Jesus needed to see this task to the end. Jesus accomplished his purpose. You will as well. The direction to follow your dream is often made in quiet places, in the middle of the night, with no fanfare or celebration, with a deep sense of impending doom. Many times I've laid awake at night, literally sweating with fear because of a decision I had to make. That is where you summon courage. You may see the battle rising, the clouds gathering, the enemies arrayed before you, but instead of abandoning your post, instead of quitting, instead of giving in, You dig in and you get ready to fight for your dream. Walk with courage in the direction of your calling. God will supply the power along the way. Amen? God will provide the power. Now this one more paragraph I'm simply adding because I believe when I was studying this, the Lord told me there'd be somebody in here, maybe one or two, that had been given a dream by God and you think that dream is null and void. You think that dream is no longer good. You think that God has changed his mind. You think that because of maybe some missteps, maybe some mistakes, maybe some sin, whatever, that dream is no longer still on. Here's something for you today. I've discovered an amazing fact, Tommy Barnett writes. If you hold on to a dream for about five years, it will come to pass. Most people cannot keep a dream for that long. Discouragement and failure wear on them. They surrender the dream. But if you stick with it through the battles, the disappointments, the failures, you'll experience a glorious transition. Get this. At first you had to hang on to the dream, but suddenly the dream begins to hang on to you. 
You won't be able to let it go if you wanted. At first you had to work on the dream, but now it works on you. Changing your character. Dreams make an ordinary person great if you break free of the past and pursue them. You see, guys, I'm still in ministry today because that dream held on to me. During a time of disappointment, during a time where where I wasn't doing so great, Ro, that dream that I once held on to, held on to me. And he held on to me because of his grace. And God's dream will hold on to you as well. Don't give up. Don't quit. Even when you think there's not much progress going on, even when you think it's not making much of a difference, God is for you and not against you. Amen? But you got to have courage. You got to have courage to stick it out. You got to have courage to fight when everybody else is fleeing. Amen? It takes courage. The words of verse 24 were coming from a, a discouraged and a defeated man. The cruelties of life dealing with a very sick child had all but destroyed this dad's faith. But he tried one more time by getting his boy to Jesus. Two weeks ago, I talked about dealing with failures and, um, and, and, and defeats. And how failure can also chip away at our faith unless you choose to learn and grow from your failures. In the same book, he talks about learning from our failures. How many on here have failed on the way to your dream? How many in here ever made a mistake? All of us, right? We've all failed somehow or another. Every dreamer misses the mark at times, but successful dreamers know that failure isn't fatal. Some people exaggerate the effects of failure on their life. They blow it out of proportion. Their reaction to failure does more damage than the failure itself. I believe the more talented you are, the more you tend to fear failure because it's because you understand the risks better. Or maybe it's because you have more to lose. But when farmer, but when farmer failure rules your life, it is impossible to pursue your dreams. Failure should not ever derail you. Proverbs 24, 16 says, a righteous man falls seven times, but he rises again. I love this because it tells there's nothing wrong with being down, but there's something with staying down. There's nothing wrong with going down, but there's something wrong with staying down. Somebody needed to hear that. Even good guys make mistakes. The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that successful people don't get derailed by failure. They get back up and they keep going. In order to reach your dreams, in order to be pleasing to God, we must redefine failure. Failure is not stumbling on your way to the dream. Failure is not having a dream at all. Failure isn't flubbing the opportunity. It's not taking the opportunity in the first place. He writes that he reads about a famous failure named George Washington. You realize George Washington lost two-thirds of all the battles he fought? He lost more battles than he won. But he's the greatest, uh, he, he's our founding father. He's, he's, he's the beginning of our country. We don't remember him as a failure, do we? Another failure was Babe Ruth, who hit 714 home runs, but he also struck out 1,300 times. Twice as often as he hit a home run. I like what he said about failure. Never let the fear of striking out keep you from swinging at the ball. The founder of Macy's department store failed seven times at retailing before he succeeded and made billions of dollars. Success doesn't come by never failing. It comes by repetition. You try, you fail. You try, you fail. You try until you get it right. In fact, failure is one of the primary tools God can use to develop your dream and your character. What are some lessons God can teach us through failure? Three of them, and I'm almost done. 
Number one, God can use failure to educate you. Mistakes and successes are partners. They work together. Psalm 119.71 says, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. There's no such thing as success without mistakes. Secondly, God uses failure to motivate us. When you find yourself knocked down with dirt ground in your knees and palms, it should strengthen your resolve to get up and try harder. Nobody wants to fail again. Nobody likes that experience. That should motivate you to learn and do better next time. And finally, as I close and Pastor Tommy comes, God uses failure to cultivate our character and refine our dreams. Romans 5 says, We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. What kind of character are we talking about? The kind that enhances our humanity and love for others. Failure softens our hearts, makes us sensitive to others, less judgmental and more sympathetic. If you had an unbroken string of successes, won every game you played, turned every investment into a million dollars, do you realize how insufferable you would be to live with? You would have an ego a mile long, but failure draws out our best traits of love and sympathy if we'll learn from failure. You see, guys, the dad in this story learned from his many failures and finally got his boy to the right physician, or should I say, the great physician. And look what happened in verse 25. When Jesus saw the other people running, he rebuked the foul spirit and saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, charge thee, come out of him, enter him no more. The spirit cried, rent him sore, and came out of him. He was like a dead man. Many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he rose to his feet. That same Jesus is wanting to take you by the hand today. If you've been discouraged, if you've been uh, disappointed, if you've even been defeated, he wants to reach down, take you by the hand, and lift you back up. Bring life back to you. Bring life back to that dream that you thought was dead. But it's all up to you. The ball is in your court. Will you allow him? The power and presence of Jesus changed everything for this dad and his son. And he can do it for you and for me if we'll allow him to deal with the unbelief that's in our hearts. That's so many times blocking us from our blessings. As Pastor Tommy begins to play softly, I want to remind you one more time of our key verse in Mark 9 verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief.